Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. We are back with another episode on the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. We are joined once again by Dr. Amy Perlman. Dr. Perlman really needs no intro, uh, but since she has relocated, I think since the last episode that we did, I will remind our listeners just a little bit about who she is. So Dr. Perlman is a urologist and she is the co-founder of the Prime Institute in, greater, in the greater Miami area. She is a men's health and sexual health expert and treats sexual dysfunction, including erectile dysfunction. Today, Dr. Perlman joins us so we can explore safe options for penile lengthening and girth enhancement. Dr. Perlman, thank you so much for being with us again. Oh my goodness, it is so good to be back. So Dr. Perlman, just to like get us started, can you just let our listeners know a little bit about your new practice, your new endeavor, you've relocated from Iowa to Miami. Uh, maybe just share with the listeners a little bit about what you are doing down there. Yeah, I would love to. So I grew up in the big state of Maryland, close to where you are. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to train all over the country. And my first job outside of training was at the University of Iowa, where I directed the men's health program. And wow, did I learn a lot when I was there. And it really helped me build the foundation for my career. Now, Four and a half years into my very stable academic job, which I loved in many respects, I made the riskiest decision I've ever made in my life. And I decided to leave my practice and start my own practice in South Florida with my twin sister, my roommate. And my twin sister, she's a gastroenterologist. Her practice really focuses on nutrition, sports nutrition, and weight management. And um, while healthcare is good in many respects, there are also a lot of challenges in healthcare. And Mark, you know as well as anyone else that sometimes what we do just takes time. And in our current healthcare systems, we just weren't given the amount of time to really sit down with patients to understand not just who they are as patients, but who they are as people and what their goals are and who their partners are as people. And um, it takes time to learn all of that, but then talk through all the options and decide how that patient is going to proceed takes significant time. So even earlier today, I saw a gentleman for three hours, you know, and it was just all talking. There, There wasn't even any procedure that I performed. So in my current practice at Prime Institute, the foundation of our practice is giving people the time, the expertise, and the space to figure out what's going to work for them at this time in their lives. Okay, that is huge. So for anybody who's in the South Florida area, just want them to be aware that Dr. Pullman is now located there. Um, I don't know if you're also doing telehealth um, in any other states as well, Um, but certainly for anybody who's looking for in-person in that area, Dr. Pullman, I don't think there's a better uh, recommendation that I could make. Um, So to get us started, Dr. Pullman, Many men worry about the size of their penis, um, the girth, the length. Can you give us some general guidelines about what is considered like the average length and the average girth Mm -hmm. of the penis? Yeah. So the reality is most men uh, would be happier with a bigger penis. And oftentimes we pathologize that. You know, we try to figure out if 
The guy has body dysmorphia, um, same things that we would think about in, in women. Um, and But at the end of the day, a lot of us would be happier with changes in our bodies, right? And so when we kind of focus on the genitals, it becomes a very taboo and stigmatized topic. But if you were to ask me, um, Amy, would you like um, a different nose? I mean, so the answer is yes, because my nose is a little bit crooked. And that doesn't mean I have a disease. It doesn't mean I have a pathology. It doesn't mean I have body dysmorphia. But my nose is slightly crooked. And if I had a choice, I would want it slightly different, you know. And, and so if I wanted it fixed, I could go see a surgeon and I could have my nose fixed and I could have an informed discussion with the surgeon and figure out whether or not that works for me. And unfortunately, when it comes to the male genitals, despite there being such a need and interest from men, most healthcare providers are not taught how to have the discussion, how to normalize the conversation. And so we tell people, well, just be satisfied with what you have. There aren't any safe and effective options. And so we kind of, that person leaves our office and they don't feel hopeful. They don't feel optimistic. And they typically will go online and either will find someone who can offer them help or they will continue wondering or they might continue being upset with what they have. And what I want to focus on today is actually some of the safe and effective options we now have in our toolbox. And we have to start normalizing that conversation. So what is normal? Well, most men will have erect penises that are less than six inches. But if you look at most pornography, you know, the guys who sort of self-select for those videos are going to have very large penises. But that is not most people. So the guys, Mark, who show up in a clinic like mine, they have normal penises. They have very normal penises. You wouldn't look at their penis and say that is a small penis, but they just want a bigger penis. And we now have solutions to help those guys um, improve their confidence. And I, I really want to delve into that conversation today. Okay. So, so to that end, can we talk a little bit about the motivations that these men tend to have when they show up when you say they just want a bigger penis mm -hmm. do, do you get into like why they want a bigger penis like do you ask questions i know that you're like trying to be careful to not pathologize mm -hmm. but at the same time i think that there, oftentimes there's a space to be curious about what is driving or motivating somebody to want to do that the typical guy that comes into my clinic is really anywhere between 30s and 50s and, you know, he comes in and when I ask him, you know, what your current concerns are and where do you think you currently are in terms of your flaccid state and what are your girth goals? It's one of my favorite questions to ask. Most of the guys who see me um, do not say I'm currently this size exactly flaccid and this is exactly what I want to be. In fact, most of the guys come in and they say, hmm. You know, I'm not really sure. I think I'm around, let's say, three and a half inches. And I don't know, maybe I want to be like a half inch or an inch bigger. That's honestly what most people say. But we all have this perception that the guy who's interested in girth enhancement comes in and says, you know, I'm starting off here and I want to be as big as possible. That actually happened one time in all the men that I've seen. And that gentleman was also overweight and wasn't getting a good, you know, erectile function and had not been, you know, rehabbing his penis. And so I actually told him, 
it's not that I'm not going to offer you girth enhancement, you know, at any point in the future, but if I put filler in today, I don't think you're going to get good results. And I think we need to better understand what your expectations are with filler. So, you know, my recommendations for him were he, he had already started trying to lose weight and was making progress in terms of weight loss, where we know people can gain significant length when they lose weight if there's excess weight on top of the penis. And uh, our plan, you know, for me was to see him back in three months. So I'm scheduled to see him back in the near future. But that was the rarity. So I have this demo thing right here where I have men in my clinic space point to where they currently think they are and where they want to be. And that helps me estimate, you know, how much filler uh, might get them to their goals. Okay. So is the typical guy coming in and saying, um, I don't feel good about myself. I uh, feel like I lost girth. I feel like I never had the girth that I want. I'm okay with it, but my partner is dissatisfied. What are, what are like some of the motivations mm -hmm that you hear that are driving men to look for this enhancement? So motivations include, I never feel comfortable in the locker room. I feel self-conscious or, you know, my partner's fine with my penis, but I want it to be bigger because I want to like what I see when I look in the mirror. Or, yeah, my partner's really excited about this and I'm curious about it. And so I'd like to give it a shot. Those are the typical scenarios. Okay. But what I'm gathering also, Dr. Perlman, is that this is not, for, for, for the vast majority of men that you see, this is not going from like one extreme to the other. We're talking about relatively like smaller adjustments, looking to add, you know, a half an inch here, a half an inch there, not looking to go, you know, from, from let's say very, very, um, you know, thin to like extremely girthy. Mm -hmm. That's happened on rare instance. Most of the time it's smaller adjustments that men are looking to make. Yeah. Most of the guys are interested in an inch increase in terms of girth, which is a very realistic expectation. And with the intervention that I offer can easily be done and most importantly can safely be done and can look really good cosmetically. Okay. Now, are there any psychological considerations that you as a urologist take into account before recommending treatment or um, before you are comfortable to proceed forward um, with a patient? It's a really interesting question. And it, it kind of begs the question of, are there questionnaires or different screening protocols that I use in my clinic? The answer is no. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a right or wrong thing. It's just, it's the, the foundation of my practice allows me to sit down with someone and have a really honest conversation with them. And so I can find out the information I need and whether or not I can meet their expectations by simply having a conversation. Oftentimes, you know, I know in my prior practice where I might have 15 minutes or 20 minutes with a patient, questionnaires were helpful for me in that scenario to get as much information as possible when I knew that my time was limited. But now that I can have these really open conversations with patients, I can tell everything I need to know by talking to them and asking them questions. Okay. And are there any um, things that people have brought up that make you concerned or hesitant about providing this treatment? I mean, you mentioned a patient previously who had not exercised mm -hmm. 
or literally had not exercised, but had not exercised all the options available um, to him um, before going for that enhancement. Mm -hmm. But are there other, um, you know, things that people have brought to you that have been of concern or may indicate to you, maybe this is not the right time to proceed forward mm -hmm. with the treatment like that? So the short answer is no, but I want to delve into that a little bit. So I offer a lot of different procedures in my clinic. And, um, and whenever someone calls in asking about a particular procedure, I always do a formal consultation first. Okay. And, and I explain to them because some people will say, Oh no, well, I know what I want and I want the procedure. And I explain that, you know, I want to make sure that I understand just your overall health history, what your goals are. And I want to make sure that this procedure is actually the right one for you. And there have been plenty of times, whether it was with, you know, girth enhancement or shockwave therapy or other procedures where I've simply said, based on what you're telling me, I actually don't think this is a good option for you. And we haven't done it, you know, during that visit. And not to say it's never an option. It's just right now with what you're telling me, I don't think I'm going to meet your goals. And I have no problem having that conversation. So with the guys calling in about penile girth enhancement, um, our, our consultations are like an hour and a half. And sometimes they're 10 minutes. And I explain that to people. Sometimes they come in, they're like, doc, I'm healthy. I take no medications. I just want a slightly bigger penis. Can you help me? Right. And then we'll have that brief conversation and then I'll take them next door and I'll do the procedure. But I also look at this, Mark, as an opportunity for comprehensive men's health education. So they might come into my door asking for penile girth enhancement. But in that discussion, we talk about their sexual health, including erectile health, right? Their genital health, including penile rehabilitation and other concerns they may have, like penile curvature. We talk about their hormone health, their urinary health, their pelvic health. And so sometimes we're tackling like five different things, even though they called in for that procedure. The other scenario where I've actually postponed or have just not altogether done the girth enhancements is guys who used to have a longer penis or used to have a girthier penis and they haven't had erections in a while. And so in those scenarios, I actually talk to them more about penile rehabilitation protocols, like with traction therapy or vacuum therapy. And I say, look, you've had a bigger penis before. Why don't we exercise the penis to see if you on your own can get some gains and then we can reassess if growth enhancement might be beneficial after that. But the guys who come in where I'm oftentimes doing the girth enhancement the same day are guys where this is the penis they were born with. It's been like this. It was never bigger. So they know what they have and they know they want it bigger. Yeah, that's a really interesting distinction that that men who have lost length or girth, you know, due to, you know, a number of different you know possible conditions or weight or whatnot. Um, like sometimes the recommendation is try the rehabilitation process first because like there is a natural baseline here that we know about. But for a guy who comes in and says, this has always been the way it's been for me, um, that would lend itself to um, much more like an enhancement type of approach a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, so to that end, Dr. Perlman, can you, can you explain to our listeners about what goes into like penile lengthening and girth enhancement? Like what are these procedures that are available to men? Yeah. So let's start with, um, with vacuum erection devices and I'll show you some examples here. And what I really want to focus on is how men can optimize devices like this, because what I've heard all too many times 
is guys try a vacuum pump. They were never taught or counseled how to actually use it. So they spend the money, they waste the time, they come back in and they say it doesn't work. And two things may have happened there. One, they may have purchased a bad device. So if we tell our patients to just go online and find one and purchase it, they will usually do one of two things. They will either get the cheapest one or the most expensive, but they will be unhappy either way, all right? So typically somewhere in the middle is going to be a good product. MenMD has really good products on their site, so that's typically where I direct patients to get their device. Um, so, so yeah, this is a product right here, okay, a vacuum erection device. What I like about this one is it has two different attachments. This one is battery powered, but they also have a manual one here, and some people prefer one over the other, all right? Um, and so for this one here, this can come out, so depending on, you know, how um, sort of narrow that person needs this, okay? You want to use water-based lubricant. Okay, so you put lubrication around this here, you put it on the inside, and you also put lubrication on the penis. That allows, when the penis is in this canister and you're physically sucking blood into the penis, it allows for the penis to glide along the canister and not get stuck on the inside, okay? Now, the other thing that oftentimes people don't do is they don't get a good suction and therefore this device is not gonna work. So sometimes you just gotta move this, kind of wiggle it back and forth to get a good suction. And then sometimes guys, if they, they might need to trim some pubic hair along the base to get a better suction. All right, the next tip is don't just go to town on the lever here, okay? So don't just go like this and not stop because you're gonna create a lot of suction and you might suck a testicle into the canister which can be uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> okay, I know. So do this a couple times, two or three times, relax, let blood go into the canister, and then again, all right, the guy will know, he'll feel a stretch, okay, but if it's painful, he's putting too much suction, you know, on his penis, similar to this one right here, so he's pushing the button here, it's drawing blood into the penis, relax, let blood come in, and do it again, okay, and then you can break the seal, either there's a button down here that breaks the seal, or you can break the seal like that. All right, so the purpose of devices like this, yes, they can be used prior to sexual activity to bring blood into the penis, but Mark, I don't think that's where they shine. I don't think that's where these devices have the biggest benefit. They have incredible benefit as penile rehabilitation. One, guys will see in real time their penis enlarging and engorging, which can do wonders for someone's confidence, especially if they're not getting regular rigid erections on a regular basis, all right? Um, and they're not invasive. They don't require medications. You know, there's no scalpel or anything like that. And there are things, there are things that people can do on a regular basis, right? They, they can be done in the comfort of someone's home. They don't have to go into a doctor's office and they don't require a prescription. So with, with regard to the vacuum device for a guy who's saying, look, I haven't lost anything in my girth and length. Is there potential benefit or yield in using one of these devices? In other words, going through a penile rehabilitation process using a vacuum device, could that add to the length and girth of the penis by just consistently using this device properly? Or is this really you know, much more effective to get men back to their baseline who have lost 
length and girth. Yeah. So a lot of the work that's been studied using these types of devices are going to be in a penile rehabilitation protocol when guys are coming in with erectile dysfunction. And um, so we don't, you know, in guys who have, let's say, normal length and girth um, that just want some enhancement, that's not going to be what a lot of the research studies are looking at. So really the short answer is it can't hurt, all right? And it may or may not benefit. But so much in medicine is about diagnoses. You have to have a problem to warrant using any of these devices. And the reality is, if you just want to see if this works, you don't have to have any dysfunction or even any concerns about penile size. A perfectly normal, you know, functioning man and a normally functioning penis can still benefit from using a device like this. In other words, the, the, the blood flow, as long as the, the device is being used properly, could be of benefit to anybody. And you're saying really doesn't have any downside or any major downside if it's being used appropriately. And there could be upside benefit for, and just in terms of penile health, perhaps uh, there is some you know, benefit as well in terms of length, in terms of maintaining length, in terms of girth as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I like to think of this as rehab or exercise, okay? So when it comes to exercise of any part of our body, we know that aerobic exercise and resistance training are healthy. Do we have to have low bone density? or low muscle mass to benefit from moving our bodies? The answer is no. And so we know that we have to do those on a regular basis for optimal health. And so this is just another form of exercise for a specific part of the body. It's especially important though, for guys who are not getting daily erections. Now we don't know what a normal number of erections is on a day, right? And most men do not know whether or not they're getting nighttime or morning erections unless they wake up with an erection or it wakes them up in the middle of the night. So unless guys, and I know you've spoken about this device before, that firm tech device that is, you know, a Fitbit for the penis, unless someone is like tracking their erections at night with a device like that or they're waking up, most men have no idea what's going on at nighttime in terms of erectile function. So it's just another way to exercise the penis in a way that we know, okay, I'm getting my daily exercise, I'm optimizing my tissue. And I just, I, when I'm talking with patients, it doesn't matter if a spouse or a partner or a son, a father, a friend is in the room, we take the sex out of it and we talk about genital health. And every part of the body needs good blood flow and good stretch. Think of it like a foam roller or a, you know, a resistance band it is just that for the penis. Yeah. Okay. So that, that the vacuum device is really great on the re rehabilitation side. It probably has benefits for anybody and everybody, especially if you don't have a good way of tracking erections, because again, erection is, an, I guess, more, let's say a natural way of getting that blood flow. Um, but this device could help with that. Now, for the guy who comes in and says, you know, Dr. Perlman, this, this, you know, it's like, a, it's like anything else. It's going to take forever. Right. And it's maintenance and it's hard to measure progress. And I know I want a half an inch here and a quarter of an inch over there. Like, how do I cut to the chase? Yeah, so I don't overcomplicate it. If that's the guy, I say, great, let me have you review the consent. Let's talk about it. And I'll bring you next door and do the procedure. My job is not to create problems where currently no problems exist, right? So I got yeah. the straight shooters and those guys take 10 minutes. And I have the guys that say, I want to understand all my options up front. Yeah. So 
what happens next door? Meaning like, like the vacuum device is one thing. What are some of the other options that men have if they're looking for this enhancement? Yeah. So this device can help stretch the penis both in length and girth. And then we have a device like this, and this is really considered a second generation penile traction device. It's the Restorix device. It was developed out of the Mayo Clinic. Now, unlike vacuum pumps, where there are a lot of decent products out there, this is the only traction device that I recommend. And it was initially developed for guys presenting with penile curvature, but they've actually, the company is really great. And the, you know, Dr. Landon Trost, who's I know has been on your podcast before, is just a wizard. I mean, I don't know a nicer, more genuine, smarter dude than that guy. And, you know, he developed this device. So really anything that comes from Landon, I, I can trust right off the bat. But even more than that, he has done significant research on this device. So even outside the guys who are coming in with curvature of their penis, they've also done a study on men after prostate cancer surgery to see if it can help with lengthening, and it can. So is a guy gonna get inches of his penis improvement in length? No, but he can get one to two centimeters. Um, you know, my biggest challenge, Mark, when I, when I talk about patients and why earlier today I was in the room for three hours, is my biggest challenge is not overwhelming my patients with how many options they have, but I explained to them at the beginning of the visit, my job is to be your navigator, and I'm gonna see how you respond to each of these things because some people wanna try everything and others just say, look, just fix the problem and let's move on, right? And that's my job as a healthcare provider is to figure out where they need to go with that. But I wanna give you some tips and tricks for utilizing a traction device like this because again, uh, if people are going to invest in this product, they got to know how to use it to its benefit. Okay, so um, one thing here is um, it's fully customizable. So depending on the, the length of the penis, there are different size rods. Okay, and there's great instructions in this on how to you know measure the penis and which rods to choose. So that's one thing. Um, number two, the way that this works is... In the flaccid state, okay, so with the vacuum erection devices, guys can use it in the fully flaccid, partially erect, or fully erect states to really stretch out the tissue. You're going to be, this device is used when the penis is fully flaccid. So he puts his penis in here, okay. You've got to wrap the tip of the penis with this, and this comes with the traction device. And I want to grab one more thing to show you what is a game changer when it comes to traction. Oh, I have it right here makeup pad. So it's always my engineering patients who come in to say, look, I really like this device. I had a guy, he said, I really like the Restorix, but it's uncomfortable. Do you have any tips and tricks to make it more comfortable? So I reached out to, of course, Dr. Landon Trost, and I said, Landon, do you have any tips and, or tricks for this? And he said, get these makeup pads and you can get them on Amazon. So what you do, there's a perfect strap here. It was like it was made for this device. Okay, you put one on the bottom part and you put one on the top part there, and then you're still gonna wrap the glands to protect it. And then you put the penis in here and you clamp down and it's spring-loaded, so then you go like this and it keeps the penis on traction, okay? For guys who have penile curvature, they can also bend the penis you know, in the opposite direction here. Now, the other thing that some people don't know is if this is too tight when clamping down and that's uncomfortable on the tip, you can actually take this off, get a, you know, a screwdriver, and you can increase the height of this to make it comfortable. Okay, that's really, really important to know for anybody who's going to be purchasing or using one of these devices, that there are ways to adjust the comfort and 
couple little hacks and tricks to really make that a more comfortable procedure because it is it is stretching. It is right? stretching. It is stretching more- I tell people it's going to feel like you're pulling your penis off your body, right? It is a stretch. But if it's painful, too much stretch. You know, back off on the stretch. So with all of these devices, like if you ever – have you ever gotten on a foam roller before? Sure. They are painful. That is not comfortable, right? So people yeah. will get a sense – of like this very sometimes it's like a subtle like oh that's a little too uncomfortable and then you can back off on it okay so that so we got the vacuum device and the traction device mm-hmm. now i would assume that both of these are devices that should be that that should be used consistently um and do require like a time investment i don't know if they're both used daily as per recommendation, but I would imagine that there's a pretty um, significant investment of time um, that goes into this. There is, um, yes, so there is. And it's not just, you know, with a vacuum pump, I typically recommend 10 minutes a day because most people can accommodate 10 minutes a day. With the Restorex device, the protocols use this device 30 minutes twice a day. So let's say you add up all those numbers and you come up to an hour and 10 minutes, which seems like a lot, but it's more than an hour and 10 minutes because there's preparation involved and there's cleanup involved. So for my patients who are like following this protocol to the T, it could be a whole two hour process. I acknowledge that, right? So for my patients who want to maximize rehab, and let me tell you who those patients are. It's the guys coming in with Peyronie's who say, look, I don't want a surgery right now. Maybe I'll consider Zyaflex injections, but right now I want to do as much rehab as possible to see if I can improve my curvature. Those are the guys who will be using a vacuum pump every day and the Restorix every day. It's also the post-prostatectomy patients who right after their procedure, they're losing size, they're not getting erections, and they want to optimize the health of their tissue, especially early on. Those are the guys who seem to be the most motivated when it comes to these therapies. But I give guys a three month, about three months, and I say, look, if you're like six weeks in and you decide this isn't for me, I just want to know what the other options are, then hey, We've, you know, we've done the trial. Let's move on to the next one. I don't make them spend the three months if it just doesn't work for them. Yeah. So what is what are what are some of the other options? So these are these are you know time investments, and again, the 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 yield here is being measured in sounds like in centimeters, which like again, I know we can always convert that to to inches, but um, you know, guys who are looking for let's say a a quicker response and treatment and a quicker result. What else is available? So then the other option would be the other procedure that I offer, which is hyaluronic acid dermal filler injections. Now, this is actually not a new therapy. And when we think about what I'm actually injecting, it's the same stuff that we use in the face. It's the same lip filler that I got put in a couple years ago. You don't see it anymore because the body absorbs it. It's gone, unfortunately. I'm going to have to get another procedure, right? Such is life. Um, But it's the same filler that we put in nasolabial folds and in this area right here. So I say that because it is safe inside the body. Okay, so that is the number one factor. Whenever I discuss any therapy with patients, safety is number one. And the guys who see me, even though there are other options out there that are more permanent options, they come in and they say, I want to do something that's safe, right? I want something that's effective, 
But safety is also my number one concern. So that's where I really connect with patients in terms of like, we want to feel comfortable proceeding with this, you know, what we're actually doing here. So safety is number one. Um, so it's hyaluronic acid. It's also present in our bodies, okay? Um, and But it's been put in the penis actually and reported on. So that's not new either. There's been actually some work done outside of the United States um, and they were really well-designed trials, okay? Placebo, you know, somewhat blinded, randomized trials. So we're not even talking about retrospective studies. Now, there are some limitations to that work, Mark. So one, small sample sizes, okay? Not that many patients were included. And two, we don't have long-term follow-up. So the longest follow-up that we have from those studies is 18 months, all right? So what I know from that work is I know that it's safe during the amount of time that they followed patients, right? So none of those patients required a trip to the operating room when they have the hyaluronic acid put in, which is different and I'll discuss with some of the other filler options. But when patients ask me, well, doc, how long will the filler last? Will it last me two years? Will it last me three years? I can tell them based on anecdotal experience with other clinics who have offered this, they've noticed in their patients that it can retain up to a couple years. But I also tell them, we don't know because the longest term follow-up we currently have is 18 months. So I can tell you at 18 months, there's no significant decrease in terms of girth, but I don't know what happens at two years. Um, but also I can tell patients that we're currently looking into it. So I offer penile girth enhancement um, using the Falafil technique. They're headquartered in Dallas, Texas. That's how I learned how to do this procedure because most healthcare providers are not taught how to do this. And so I realized when I started my own practice about a year ago, a few months into starting, I reached out and I said, I would really love to offer this service for people in the South Florida area. So I went to Dallas and they trained me how to do it. So we are currently looking through their last like three to four years of data where they've done this procedure on hundreds of patients to try to tease out some of those answers in terms of how long it lasts and what the safety profile is. Now at the recent Sexual Medicine Society of North America meeting, uh, the fall of 2023, I presented on the safety data where we reviewed 471 patients and we looked at what the complications were and they were very few and far between. A couple of patients had superficial skin infections that were treated with oral antibiotics. Like three patients had some granulomas that were dissolved with hyaluronidase, an, an enzyme that can dissolve the filler. Um, and uh, initially with this protocol, they were injecting the penis with intracavernosal medication to induce an erection. So a couple of patients had a painful prolonged erection, but when they took that injection out of the protocol, then no patients had issues. Importantly, none of those 471 patients required a trip to the operating room. That is really key. Yeah, that that that's you know really really big. And and you mentioned that this the the active material here is something which is found in the body naturally, yeah. and this is something that the body can break down or does break down over time. How long this lasts probably has to do with metabolic factors for each individual and whatnot. We know that it seems to last about 18 months at least. We'll know more data over time. Um, but as far as you can see at this point, this does seem like a safe and effective approach. 
Of course, we don't know what things look like 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. But as far as anybody can tell at the moment, this looks like a safer alternative to some of the other fillers. So can you let our listeners know what else is out there so that they can be uh, informed um, you know, patients and you know, potential consumers of products like this? So you name it, someone's probably injected it into the penis. So some of the ones that people will use are liquid silicone or PMMA. There's a product in South Florida that people are injecting called Bellafil, which also includes um, you know, some permanent filler. And even though permanent seems like a really great option, right, because it's like a permanent fix to a solution and doesn't require additional treatments, there are downsides. And, and while some people may do great, you know, after the permanent injections, it can also lead to just poor cosmetic results. And I've seen, I had a recent patient actually who had permanent filler put in and it felt very hard and woody and um, did not feel like natural tissue in a penis. So the feel of it is just very different. And, you know, people can develop sort of like nodules, which, you know, if you need to fix something like that, then it may require a trip to the operating room. So I'm saying to open, open things back up and like reshape or adjust that filler. Try to remove it. Yeah. But the problem is it can induce a, a really nasty inflammatory response and scar tissue. So, and I know a bit about this because I recently worked on a chapter, um, you know, with a colleague of mine writing a chapter on injectable options for penile girth enhancement. And when we looked at the studies, the ones, the studies that looked at permanent fillers, you know, people, some of those people actually died or they had pulmonary emboli. So it's not even that some of those patients required a trip to the operating room because of poor cosmesis. Like, there are significant and sometimes fatal issues related to that permanent filler. Okay, so you're saying, look, the, the, the upside of permanence is it would seem like it's a one-time procedure and then it should be with you like for life. Whereas this, you know, uh, the phallophil may, may dissolve over time and may need to be readministered, but it does seem, at least from what, from what you can tell, a much safer option at this point as compared to these more permanent treatments, which do have you know, health issues and, you know, possibly require operation or something more invasive if something needs to be replaced, mm -hmm. changed, fixed, or adjusted. Now, with all these treatments, but in particular, let's focus a little bit more on the, the phallophil version of this. Um, are there any risks to, like, the structural integrity of the penis, to the nerve endings, to sensitivity? Like, have there been any issues that have come up for patients just not feeling um, like the same level of pleasure, the same level of intensity? Has anything like that occurred? I'm really, I'm really glad that you asked that question because, you know, the girth thing is one, but it's how does this contribute to the sexual experience, right? What does the partner think about it? Um, and is there any impact on erectile function? And, you know, something that we're trying to figure out now within our research group with Phallophil is what are those relevant questions and which questionnaires should we be giving to patients? And are they the same questionnaires that we give, you know, to assess efficacy of a medication like Viagra or Cialis? And 
which questionnaires should we use to assess for cosmesis? Because we don't have any questionnaires within the urology field to really assess that. So what can we garner from our plastic surgery and dermatology colleagues? Can we use any of their questionnaires? Can we use any of the questionnaires that you might use as a sex therapist, right? So the interesting thing about cosmetic procedures when it comes to the genitals is it's really many specialties coming together. So I think we have to look outside of our own specialty to figure out those relevant questions. Now, what we know from our experience with you know, the providers with, who use the Fallfill approach, and I'll include my patients in this as well, is none of our patients have reported erectile dysfunction or worsening erections. And, um, and including in these 471 patients from the Dallas clinic, nobody reported a change in penile sensation for the worse. And that's really important, you know. And I've had some of my patients actually say, you know, my erections are a little bit better or my penile sensation is really great and my partner likes it too, you know. And so I don't, you know, for these conversations, I just ask my patients, hey, any changes in erectile function since I last saw you? Any changes in penile sensation? And, you know, I kind of leave those questions open-ended because in many ways, I'm trying to learn from my patients about their experience so I can actually learn what those relevant questions are. But no, um, we haven't had reports of either of those worsening, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, that, that definitely is um, you know, encouraging. Um, I think also like you're just raising like a, like a really just overarching important idea here, which is like, I think for optimal sexual function, people have to feel good about themselves. Um, and I think that um, there has certainly been an increasing emphasis on penile appearance, penile size and whatnot. And, um, you know, while people can, you know, feel free to like openly debate whether this is important or whether it's relevant or not, or how much does that impact partner pleasure or overall experience, how people feel about themselves does make a large difference and really can have quite an impact on the overall sexual experience. So um, as much as I think many providers will tell patients like you're normal, like there's nothing to worry about. I, but if a person is really distressed about it or they don't feel good about themselves, like at the very least, I think it's important that we all recognize that that can be a significant factor in like certainly on the psychogenic side of, you know, impacting uh, erections, impacting overall quality of experience. Um, it's nice to know that there are options out there for, you know, people who are appropriate mm -hmm. candidates for you know, this type of either cosmetic enhancement or um, treatment. So with the Falafel, because we, we were talking about like expected or reasonable expectations mm -hmm. on the field. Are there any limitations on a product like this? Let's say, you know, the patient wants to go from, uh, I, I assume this is a girth enhancing product. Is that correct? Yeah, for girth. Mm -hmm. Okay. This doesn't really work for length? No. Okay. So I, they want to add an inch, two inches to their girth, really do something um, that, that's quite a, a, an enhancement. Is there any limitation in terms of how far the phallophil can go um, in terms of like either by, by percentage increase or by overall increase, or is it really up to the patient? Um, and they can really run, run the gamut from minimal to rather extreme. So kind of all of the above. And so I'll tell you some of the factors that, you know, play a role here. 
So in this penile model here, so one, the amount of filler that we put in, well, it's gonna depend on the length of the penis, right? So if we're gonna make this even throughout, then if someone has a longer penis, they're gonna require more filler. So 20 units of filler in one person might look different than 20 units of filler in another person who has a longer penis. That intuitively makes sense. The other factor con to consider when it comes to cosmesis is the size of the glands or the head of the penis in comparison to the shaft. So while the, sh the tissue in the shaft can, you know, oftentimes accommodate a lot of filler, we have to think about what's it gonna look like from a cosmetic perspective compared to the head. And everyone's glands is a different size and a different shape. So that's the other nice thing about the, um, you know, the, the filler options using hyaluronic acid is we can completely customize it to the patient. And the studies that were done outside the U.S., they put all the filler on average about 20 units in at a time. That's not actually how we do it within our fill protocol. We do it on a stepwise approach. So let's say someone purchases like a 20-unit package because they're interested in about an inch girth increase, all right? I spread that out over several treatments. So on average, I'm injecting four to six units each time because I want to lay the columns on either side and create that framework or column to then build additional girth, all right? Um, and so I lay it on either side here. I don't do the top or the bottom because this is where the urethra is and this is where the neurovascular bundle is. Um, and so we see when they come back three weeks later, how everything is looking, if there's any movement to filler or any you know small bumps that need to be evened out, then with the next injection series, I even out the penis again, okay? So we can see every few weeks how the penis is looking and we can make sure that that guy is getting a good cosmetic result. So I'm not putting in all the filler in at once and being like, oh my God, you know, it actually doesn't look good compared to the glands. I can see three weeks later and say, um, hey, you know, I think we're kind of reaching the maximum amount to make this look natural. Maybe we should hold off for a bit and reconsider additional filler later on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're saying some, somebody could go for an unnatural look and maybe push the limits if that really was their choice and it made sense treatment-wise, but you're saying there is a, a certain reality that the... Um, you know, the top portion of the penis, like the tip is not going to have filler in it. So it's going to hit a point where it will start to look unnatural. Generally, you're saying that would probably be the cap um, that most guys would be stopping at. Yeah. And look, the guys who see me, they understand that concept. You know, they want it to look natural too. So I'm, I'm not injecting the guys who want to have like a Coke can size penis. When I do the procedure, I will ask them, you know, and we're both looking at their penis together and saying like, so I'm going to put some more filler here. Are there any other areas that kind of bother you? Is there an area where you would like me to put more filler? Because the penis in a flaccid state looks different than the penis in the rigid state. And so I hear what they're telling me in terms of what it looks like when they're rigid. And I look at what it looks like when they're flaccid and we make decisions in real time on where to put the filler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Roman, this has been great. I want to ask one question to kind of wrap, kind of wrap us up here. Um, you, you mentioned the SMSNA conference. One of the, um, one of the questions that came up at the panel that I participated in um, was that there seems to be a growing phenomenon that um, men, t t typically younger men are reporting something which is not quite Peroni's disease, but they're noticing curvature or indentation um, in the penis. It's not 
it seemed like it's not well attributed to any particular condition per se. It seems to me much more of just a documented phenomenon at this point that is under like, you know, review research at, at the information gathering stages. Would a filler um, like phallophil, would that be something that could provide, let's say, a more uh, even less of an indented penis um, for these men? Or is that something which is, I think, beyond the scope of this intervention or treatment? It can absolutely be helpful in those scenarios. And I do see some guys who have a slight curvature of their penis. They have some minor peyronies. They're not interested in the other therapies that we would typically offer. But I put some filler in on the opposite side, so it makes the penis look a little bit straighter. But yes, for those slight indentations, we finally have a safe option that we can help guys so that they can be more confident. We want guys to look down or look in the mirror and have confidence. We understand that as women, right? We understand that that plays a role in our self-confidence and how we show up to work and how productive we are. And it's the same thing for men. And I just, you know, I'm, I feel grateful that I get to be doing this work and involved in research because the reality is we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of unanswered questions, right? We have a lot of ways that we can improve our technique and that we can counsel patients. And so we're not just accepting the status quo and saying like, well, we don't know what happens at three years or four years. Like we are actively trying to answer those questions so that we can continue to innovate. And so many of us in urology, we go into this field because we are early adopters and innovators of two new technologies, right? And I think this is a wonderful area for us to explore, to be able to meet, you know, the quality of life concerns of the everyday men walking down the streets in Maryland and walking down the streets in South Florida. Yeah, I could not have said it better myself. It was a great way to wrap up, Dr. Perlman. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I've no doubt we'll, we will have you back for an episode in the future. Awesome. So happy to be here. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.